Hello and welcome back to She's In Focus, the podcast dedicated to inspiring and empowering female filmmakers and video creators from all walks of life and on every step of their creative journey. I'm your host, Kel Grant, an aspiring filmmaker from New Jersey who's just trying to turn my passion into something more and connect with amazing women who have had the same passion for video. One of those being Londi Maduro, a writer, producer, director, and photographer who also has worked professionally as a singer and actress. She is no stranger to the entertainment and film industry and makes her own path. Not only does she own and operate her own production company, Blue Child Entertainment, she is also the leader of Women of Color Filmmakers, an organization that garners support, skill building, and networking for female filmmakers as they pursue careers in film and television. I feel like I could keep going with this introduction. There's so much more to say, but I will have Londi do the honors in this episode. Londi, thank you so much for being here. Wow, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> I got to condense that somehow, but thank you so much. <laughs> We're so excited to have you on today. So I usually start every podcast episode with discussing the filmmaker's journey from start to finish. But because the mission of this podcast and that of your organization are so in sync, I'd love to start by introducing women of color filmmakers. So if you wouldn't mind sharing the origin story of this amazing organization, you know, when was it founded? How did it begin? Oh, sure. So we're relatively new. We're kind of a baby organization. We started in 2018. And really, it started from me just being kind of frustrated as a female behind the camera, feeling like I didn't really have a support system. You know, as women behind the camera, we are usually literally the minority. Um, It's a kind of a boys club. So, you know, that can be difficult sometimes of just you know, trying to find your way and feeling like you need to be able to vent and feeling like you have the right support. And so I started it with just a handful of women um, getting together in a studio in North Hollywood that I used to shoot out of sometimes. Um, It was about maybe 12 of us and we started meeting, but I also didn't want it to be like a gripe session. I didn't want it to be where we're just complaining about what's not happening. I wanted it to be, you know what I mean? Like a place where we could... Not to be productive. Yes. And not only network, but also um, share our ideas. You know, if you're a writer, you could share your script and have a safe place to share it before you take it out to the powers that be that may pick it apart. You know, have a place where you can really share your stories and ideas and, you know, camera angles and things of that nature. And so it kind of started from there and we just started to grow and expand. I started asking my industry friends who were working successfully in the industry, could they come and be a guest speakers? And because I was working at the time between Atlanta and LA, my Atlanta folks were like, well, we can't see what you're doing in LA. Can you record them? And so I was like, huh, yeah, I should start recording this and incorporating the LA women that I know in the industry. And so we just started to grow and grow and grow. And now, um, and of course, due to the pandemic, we had to make everything virtual, which really helped our organization. We ended up growing exponentially. So we now have almost 800 members um, all over the US and Canada. Yeah. And we've really grown to... Congratulations, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, and so we've really grown to be this support system where we do script writer circles so you can have your script read. We have guest speakers. We do classes and courses. Um, And we just launched our very first film lab, which is awesome. So we have 17 female filmmakers in the lab and uh, seven mentors. And the women are um, had to take their uh, concept. Uh, they all had to do a, a short film based on the word Nirvana. So that we took from writing the script to pre-production. Most of them are all in production now. And then we'll walk them through post-production. And then it will be part of our summer film challenge. So all the uh, films will screen at our virtual summer film challenge. So we just wanted to do things to help build confidence because you know, 99% of anything is confidence, right? Skills, one thing, but you need the confidence to execute the skill. And so we wanted to be that, <laughs> that, that safe space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And I think, I mean, especially for me, the one thing that helps me build my confidence is seeing other women who are empowered with the same goals and dreams that I have and to see them make them a reality and kind of work alongside of them and, and see our journeys parallel. That really boosts my confidence because I'm like, if, if they can do it, I can do it too. So I think that, you know, 
the the film lab sounds amazing and and what an awesome opportunity for those women and and even for those mentors to be able to have such a a, a tangible impact on the lives of, of so many filmmakers that's amazing yes yes and you know even with you know with you saying that like when i started this it really was just to help others not have to deal with some of the things i had to deal with but it's been such a blessing right. because it feels so good when someone says, I didn't think I could do this, but you showed me that I could, or you pushed me out of my comfort zone. And I mean, we have members who only join um, one of the ladies. Uh, she only joined like nine months ago. She's already doing her second short when she didn't even think she could direct a film. And she's like, oh my God, Lord, you make me believe I could do anything. And for someone to tell you that, you know, it's just such a beautiful thing that I didn't realize how much it would enrich my life by helping other people. So I feel so blessed. Really. Yeah. I mean, it has such a personal impact and I'm sure it not only, you know, changed the way that you, you feel about yourself, but also probably encourages you to, to keep uh, pouring yourself into this organization. And, and continue to build it. Yes, exactly. You are so on point. We just became a 501, or excuse me, we just became a nonprofit and now we're working on becoming a 501c3. So, which, you know, again, I wasn't thinking that. I was just thinking it would be a group of women work in the industry, we'll get together and help each other. Not this this thing that it's grown to, but it's it's a testament to the fact that it's needed, you know? We need a support system and we need to be able to um, kind of have a safe place to learn and grow. And then we can go out and deal with the dramas of being behind the camera, being a DP or being a grip and not be threatened to take those jobs. You know, you don't see a lot of women working in sound or working as gaffers or, you know, I, any of that. And, and, and it hasn't really felt like a safe place where we could do that, right? Yes, you see female directors, but there's still not a diverse number of female directors and there are so many diverse stories that need to be told. So I'm working to change that narrative. That's my goal. Awesome. Awesome. I, uh, I'm so excited to get into um, the specific types of um, programs that you run too. I want to discuss those. Um, but we both have been trying to find other women in the filmmaking and media space, particularly women of color from marginalized groups. You know, what was this process like for you? Because we are in the minor minority, but that doesn't mean that there aren't a ton of women out there creating and making a name for themselves. It's just a matter of finding them and building community. So what was what was that like for you, that process of growing it? Sure, so I think, you know, word of mouth is amazing because you're right, there wasn't a lot. Like I said, we started very small. Um, what definitely, I think when COVID hit, we had about 400 members who had just come through hearing about us. Also me po posting when we were having certain guest speakers who probably had more of a draw and I'd post them on all the filmmaking social media groups that I could, and that started bringing people in as well. Um, but during COVID, so many people were looking for, it's like, okay, this thing that I've been putting on the back burner, you know, I've been wanting to pursue my career in film, or I've been wanting to write a script, but I, you know, the nine to five, now we're in lockdown, I have no excuse. Let me really try to, to create, uh, to be out there and network. And so by, um, they'd find us on Meetup, because that's where we started. We started on Meetup. So a lot of them would find us on Meetup or through various Facebook groups. And it, I don't know if Facebook like put us on the forefront, but all of a sudden we got like an influx of people and a lot of people from Canada. I'm like, how did you even hear about us in Canada? And they'd be like, I saw you guys on Facebook. So, uh, you know, I, I think it just came out of there is a need. And when you build something, it will find you. Like, I didn't think we'd ever have this many people. And I can't say that I've wholeheartedly, like, marketed. You know what I mean? I haven't been out there, you know, doing all of that or investing any marketing dollars, but there is a need for this. And no one's doing it, really. And so there are organizations that are out there to support women once you get there. But to get that confidence to get there or get the skills to get there, if you can't afford, you know, um, film school. We have women who are very young, just starting out of high school and college. And then we have women who are coming back to filmmaking because it's always been their dream, but they had to raise their children and support their families. And now at 50, they're coming back or 60, they're coming back. So our range is from like 18 to 60 years old. 
and all different shapes and sizes. And so that makes me feel good because we can speak to this woman who's straight out of college, but then we can speak to this woman who's lived a life and raised children and now are coming back to, to do what they love. So it's amazing when you build it, when they say, when you build it, they will come. It is so true. <laughs> it is so true. <laughs> and it's so nice that it sounds like your group really honors the journey. Like you were saying, there are plenty of groups for you once you already have the title of director, once you already have a few things under your belt. But when you're just starting out, there's so much apprehension that you experience that having a sense of community and, and having, you know, being surrounded by other women with similar goals and ambitions really is a driving force. And that is definitely a niche that it needs to be filled. And, and luckily there's space for, for more than one, you know, group. It's amazing to see, you know, women of color filmmakers. There's also other ones. Um, another woman I had on the podcast named Maya Fulmer, she created Media Empress for those who are just starting their journey, but are so intimidated by gear or want to, you know, join YouTube, but, uh, and want to be, um, become filmmaker YouTubes, like the next Peter McKinnon and whatnot, but don't have a space to be able to, to kind of step into that role. So, um, and then of course this podcast, that's just honoring the stories of, of every woman on any step of their journey. Um, it's just amazing to see and to bring all of these efforts together, is, is just an awesome opportunity um, because once you, it, it's so interesting when I first started this podcast, I really thought, wow, there's like, there's nothing else like this. There's, there's, where am I going to find all of these women to, to be guests on my, on my podcast? And I ended up posting in a Facebook group and I, and I think that's where also where I found you and over 200 people, women, commented on this. And I was like, wow, here I am. I thought I was alone. And all it took was me putting myself out there. And like you were saying, if you build it, they will come. And it's just been an amazing, amazing experience. And it really, you know, speaks to the power of what community does and, and what uh, a need that community fills in, in people's lives. Um, one thing I learned, though, is is that if you're trying to build a group, it's not just about, you know, in inviting people to uh, to join you. It's also about providing value to them in order to have engagement and to build the actual community. Because it's one thing to throw everybody in a Facebook group, but if you guys aren't engaging or, or, or talking to each other or connecting, um, the, the, the mission is missed there, I think. So... Um, I wanted to talk about a few of the ways that you bring value to the members of Women of Color Filmmakers. And I saw a few different programs. So I'm going to list a program. And I would like for you to tell me a little bit about each program and your experiences running these events and workshops. For sure. Perfect. Yeah, definitely. So the first one is the Script Writers Circle. Yeah, so our Script Writers Circle is a weekly event. We do this every Wednesday. And this was started out of a need um, for, you know, women who have scripts, but we're having them read in other um, groups that didn't really understand them. Like, for instance, uh, we had a, a woman who brought a script to us who uh, she's Cuban and it was based on colorism and she had it read in another group and they didn't understand colorism. And so they told her this doesn't make sense. This is, you know, and so, um, you know, she read it, we read it for her and she, we got it instantly. And so we wanted a space where there were stories like that, that may be based on your cultural background, um, but other groups may not get it. So you could really get honest feedback that has nothing to do with the cultural story, but really has to do with how's your formatting? How's your, you know what I mean? Like we're not digesting, right. we're not dissecting. Yeah, exactly. We're not dissecting your story. We want to make sure it's fluid because that's what a script writer circle should be. So basically we meet once a week, we read up to 35 pages of, of a member's script, be it a short, uh, a pilot, or um, a feature film, we only read the first 35 pages because you know they say in the first 10, we should be able to get an idea of where the story's going. So we give up to the first 35 and then uh, we give feedback on that. And we're very specific with the feedback because what I learned by doing this is, you know, I really want people to feel safe. This isn't about criticizing and attacking. So we, we always start with what we like first. What, what do we like about the script? And then we'll go into like structure, format, character, 
um, dialogue, that kind of thing. But the fun thing is, which is the hardest part, is the members, um, when, you, when we read your script, you're not allowed to say anything. You can introduce the script and cast it, right? <laughs> so uh, we do a, a virtual table read. Um, and then you have to be quiet for the remainder. It's hard. But the reason why we that do- must be so challenging. It is hard. But the reason why we do that is because as soon as I don't understand something and then you start to explain it to me, now my I no longer have an objective opinion about it because now you've influenced how I think. So I want members to see if you're getting the same note you know, several times, you might need to look at that. And also just teaching to, um, to, to take the meat and spit out the bones. Because, you know, when you get to the level where you're selling a script to, to, a, to a network or something of that nature, you're going to get lots of notes. We had the honor of having a Sonia Warfield as a guest speaker who's a, a writer. And she was telling us how she got so many notes from network that she changed because she was trying to fix everything they said. And then, you know, she turned in her script and they were like, mm this feels totally different than what you initially brought to us. And she's like, well, now I'm confused because you told me it should be different. And so, you know, right. it's a valuable lesson that, yes, you'll get all these notes, but making sure you're staying true to the story. So that was kind of the point of it. We do this weekly and it has really helped a lot of our members who are, as a matter of fact, one of our members just made a deal with Disney. And so, you know, it's really helping them to be able to, 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 complete their films and have polished products. And it doesn't matter if you're a new writer or established, we have Emmy winning writers and we have people who bring their very first script and they've never written anything before. So it's just about having that support and knowing that your story is valued. Oh, what an awesome, awesome opportunity that is for the, for the writers too, because one of the things that I always struggled with um, when, cause I took a, um, I never took a script writing class but I had, we, we produced some short films for um, some production classes I took in college. And I would always be the person that before I, I pressed play on my film to show the class would give some sort of disclaimer like, oh, it's not that good. Or, or this is what I was going for. But like, these are the things I don't like about it. And my professor would tell me like, nope, nope, don't disqualify yourself, number one. And you also just have to let your work speak for itself. Because then, you know, like you were saying, how do you know what to fix or, or how can you get an objective opinion if you're putting in all this, these disclaimers at the beginning. So that's uh, that's definitely a lesson that I learned that I'm sure, um, you know, the scriptwriter circle also addresses too. And really quick, I love that you touched on that because I do think this is something that we do as women. We tend to do that to ourselves a lot. Um, we tend to say, like, sometimes even when I hire women to work for me on a production, you'll hear, um, I will hear, um, uh, yeah, well, I want this much, but I'm willing to work, you know, these many days. And if I can't, and, and it's like, stop talking, stop talking, right. <laughs> stop talking. Guys don't come in and do that. We have some weird mechanism that, that we feel like we have to justify the reason that we appear somewhere instead of standing in our truth and the fact that we know what we're doing and if we mess up, it's okay, right? Guys will come in, be less qualified and just be all this confidence. It's like, this is what I want, take it or leave it. And we will come in with more qualifications and justify our presence. And I, I just want that to stop. And so I highly encourage that in our group. Like whenever I hear, um, it's this, but uh, -uh no, 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 this is a place of love. So remember, we, you can't say that here, you can, you know, and it's funny because it's so self-programmed. We don't even realize that we do it, you know? And so I, that's definitely a culture that I'm trying to break for females because we are so much more talented than we give ourselves credit for. And I want to make sure that we stand in that. So I just had to say that real quick when you brought it up. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a hot yes. topic. I'm always trying to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. I think like, first of all, there's so much work that goes into actually knowing your worth. And then it's about standing up for yourself and walking into a room with that confidence to just put it on the table and, and leave it. And, and I think that women would be pleasantly surprised to know that when they do that, they're going to get a better response because when you, when you disqualify yourself or, or, or add like disclaimers, like, oh, but I'll do this for less, you're, you're, um, you're really selling yourself short. And the person on the other end of the table, whether that's a, 
um, you know, an executive who you're pitching your idea to or just a, you know, a regular job interview is going to take note of that and say, oh, okay, this person either doesn't have the confidence or I'm going to be able to take advantage of this person because they're going to take, you know, what, whatever I want. So it's, it's definitely a personal skill to have to, to work on. But um, I think that's so awesome that the your organization you address that when you when you speak to women because it's definitely a skill that is needed in this industry in particular yes for sure all right up next is the speaker showcase sure so our speaker showcase is uh we have once a month we have guest speakers come in and talk about various topics and then we record those so everyone can watch them later so from everything from um, producing, directing, um, this next few months, we're really focusing on the business of filmmaking. So getting a sales agent, I mean, a literary agent, excuse me, getting a literary agent if you're a writer, uh, film distribution, how to market and brand your film. The things that us as creatives, we don't really want to think about. It's like, oh, you did this awesome masterpiece and you put your heart and soul into it and you got your film tones right and everything is just beautiful now what are you going to do with that <laughs> right and right. sometimes that's the last thing we think about because we are so in tune to the creative process and so we're really trying to shift that and okay now you you're writing this script or you've written this script before you start producing it and making it and filming it where do you see this movie living how do you see yourself getting it out there have you created a business plan for your film so we're really focusing these next few months on that um, but we have had guest speakers on on writing um, and even some kind of motivational things because I do feel like you know this is a hard business I mean it's hard for anyone but for women of color it's especially hard we are you know I, I found this report from the Hollywood um, UCLA does this Hollywood diversity report every year and it had, um, it shows how the industry is hiring people in the industry. And it had, uh, it had uh, people of color were considered men, <laughs> which is interesting. And then it had white women and then it had black women at like the bottom and it didn't even list Asian, Latino, anything like that. And I just thought that's, we're changing that. <laughs> we, we've got to change yeah. that. But I do. So that's kind of why we do the, these things that we do. And we have these speakers come in to kind of help build that confidence and to help make sure that we're thinking about these things. We're thinking about the business side. Um, if you're a director, but you're more technical director, like say you went to film school and you learned, you know, ISOs and focal links and all that, but you didn't learn how to connect with actors, then we have uh, an acting coach come in and kind of help the filmmakers who are not actors because that's important too right and then vice versa we'll have you know people come in and, and kind of teach the more technical sides of directing that actor turned directors don't know because they know the acting side so we try to cover all the bases and and really i try to go by the buzz that i'm hearing if i'm seeing a lot of oh i don't know this or i need to more more know more of that then i try to bring in speakers to fill that need so it's been an awesome an awesome Thing for people to learn and you don't have to keep it all if you're you know if you're if you can't stay for the whole thing or if maybe you you watched it and you took copious notes copious notes but now you feel like you're forgetting something you can always go back and watch the replay and it's been pretty awesome it's an awesome thing that we do that's great it sounds like the this the chosen speakers kind of really fill the gaps in the knowledge that um you know that certain roles have like you were saying technical director versus um you know a director that focuses on relationships with actors kind of being able to fill in the gaps and and just kind of elevate your yourself as a whole um because i think that one of the things i noticed um about you when i read your bio and i was looking at your website is that you are someone i would call a multi-hyphenate or a multi-talented um creative you know in the filmmaking industry you you know uh, producer, director, you've been in front of the camera, behind the camera, you know, you're, you're so multi-talented. So I think that you've probably had to go on your own journey of, of connecting all of these and filling in the gaps. So being able to, to provide that for other people, I think is really powerful. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of, of course. So one thing I want to talk about is, is representation too, because I, I want to get your opinion on, um, how do you feel if, if 
times have changed and if they've they've changed enough and if we have a, more of a long way to go because i listened to an interview with sandra O oh from gray's anatomy and killing eve and she was saying how many marginalized groups are still waiting for their black panther meaning you know a film cast with individuals who look like them and black panther in a way did that for the black community but one breakout mainstream film that appeals to the masses, you know, that isn't where we should stop. If anything, it should be an example of what's possible and kind of a landmark of where we need to go. And there are more movies now that are telling black stories and amplifying black voices, but we can and we should only go up from here. So I'd, I'd just like to hear your take on that. I totally agree that we have not arrived. I always say Hollywood's a change it, but it ain't a change in that fast, right? And so even with the, you know, the, the, that we're now seeing more black stories, and it's also not just because of Black Panthers, because of everything that happened in 2020. Yes, you're starting to see more black projects, but I totally agree that there's still not enough diversity. We're still not seeing, we still are stereotypically placing um, certain minority groups in certain stereotypical roles. And so that is why I push for what I push for in our group, because we've never seen, you know, a, a, a Muslim woman's story other than the stereotypical things that we think about Muslim women, right? Or that, or what we've seen in media. We don't see, like I told you, example of uh, the woman in my group who's Cuban, and that colorism story of there's an issue between a brown-skinned Cuban person and a light-skinned Cuban person and what that meant in a certain period of time, which as a black person, I can relate to as someone who know that my grandparents probably dealt with that. But who knew that this is happening other places? Some people are totally ignorant to that. Um, or we have a Filipino woman who told us the story of um, these, I can't remember the name of the group, but these women were like, pleasure women to the military men and they thought they were coming over here to the united states to start this new life and then they become pleasure women there's all these stories that are not being told you know and so i don't think it's changed very much i think black panther was an awesome start but let's be honest back in the day we had the cosby show which we all thought was going to change things too it went into a different world and and for a minute there, we finally saw a black family that was highly educated, right? The Huxtables was a doctor and a lawyer, this affluent family, and we saw how they lived, but we didn't have another show like that. We didn't get another show like that. So I, I think that part of the issue to me is that um, we have to start making these things happen. You know, I always say, you know, whether you love or hate Tyler Perry's work, you can't hate his hustle right? Because he did something that no one else did. He's not, he didn't wait for someone to invite him to a studio. Bless you. He didn't wait to, he built his own studio. And so I think that's the mentality that we have to start having is stop waiting for the powers that be to open the door for us and build the damn building. Excuse my language. You know what I mean? Like we got to stop waiting for that because no one's going to give that to you. They don't understand our stories. They don't understand the story of an Asian woman who's not an immigrant who actually grew up in San Diego, but still had to deal with certain life basic issues. You know what I mean? And so I think that we have to we have to make those changes. Um, it's why I do what I do. It's why I fight so hard. It's why when I'm tired after a full day of working on my own stuff, that I'm there for one of our members who may say, Londi, can I just get your feedback on this? Because it has to start somewhere. And even if it's on a grassroots level, like you said, with what you're doing and other organizations who are out there grinding, the more we all come together, the more that this is going to change. But even as you see the diversity and the changing, I can't remember the exact number, but there was, um, it was, uh, I think it was all the minority directors. Actually, I think it was just black. Let me correct myself. Black directors who were in the, 20 million dollar club or something like that i'm sure i'm butchering the amount of money because it was in the millions but my point was the only female it was all these black males um the only female was ava duvernay that's a problem she's the only one you know what i mean that's a problem and so i i just feel like there needs to be a huge change and we have to make it happen and i think this is where it starts um, because it, it is very sad that we don't see more Asian stories or more Latina stories or more, you know, um, we have a lot of, um, 
Iranian women in our organization, women who are from the Middle East, Lebanese, where are their stories? Other than, you know, us seeing a terrorist or something silly, like the true stories of how they live these beautiful, rich lives. We're not seeing that. And, it, and that will also help break those stereotypes. When other cultures can see these people live just like you and me, they cry, they have children, they have heartache, they, you know, they laugh, they celebrate. And once we start seeing that, some of the stereotypes and the fear and stigmas we have of other cultures, I think will stop. But this is my soapbox. I could be on this all day. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I think I it totally has to agree. start. Yeah, it has to start with us making the change and stop waiting for people to give it to. No one's going to give it to us. Why would they? You know, why? Right. Why would you want right. to? They didn't want us here in the first place. place. Right. <laughs> right. Like, why would I want to give up all the power and control? <laughs> right. That's funny. And media, media portrayal directly affects how we're treated in, in everyday life. And that's true for so many, you know, marginalized and minority groups. And I think that you're right, the change, it starts with us. And even if it's on this kind of small level of of just, you know, reviewing kind of a, a, a filmmaker who's just getting started or a director who's just getting started, a scriptwriter who's just getting started, reviewing their stuff and, and empowering them to start and go out and make stories um, or make films and tell stories that matter and that are culturally representative and that are true to them. Um, it it really builds on each other. And then before you know it, you, you have a group of, of all these women who have the same mission and are making waves. And it might be a little bit until, you know, those waves catch on, but the work is, is starting with us. And I think that your organization is doing a phenomenal job of that. Thank you. Thank and you, you're so right because so many of the women are working together. It always makes me excited. So even with this film lab that we're doing, you know, it's a film challenge, but they had me cracking up the other day because they were like, okay, Londi, I know we're competing, but I'm going to shoot at Cindy's garage because uh, my other location, I lost it. I'm like, it's not a competition. <laughs> if you guys are helping each other, like one was helping someone else figure out some, some color grading things. And I'm like, I love that you're working together. Yes, we'll be voting for like the audience award and the jury award. But there's no rule that you can't work together. Like, that's the point, right? These women are, are forging what could be lifelong, career-long friendships that will take them into as they continue to grow and flourish as filmmakers. And I've learned just from being a director and do, being projects, like my very first film project, some of those actors are now on film and television all the time, right? So you never know who someone's going to turn out to be or how their career is going to flourish. And if you build that foundation, then you can take these people with you. I already have, you know, you could say I have my DP or I have the gaffer I'd like to work with and try to include them, you know, on your journey. So I love that because you're absolutely right. The more we continue to do this, the more you will build that foundation and women and, you know, different diverse groups can work together. And I just love that. I think it's awesome. Yeah, me too. It's it's beautiful to see. And it's, you know, I think actually the um, the pandemic has, has challenged us in a way, but it's also given us an amazing opportunity to connect in ways that we, we haven't before. Um, you know, a lot of people are turning to online resources. So, you know, people like, like yourself, you're in Los Angeles, individuals who I would have never connected with because I'm on the East coast. I'm now forging relationships with because of, you know, finding resources on the internet and turning towards these groups. So I think that honestly, I think it can only go up from here. I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, we kind of found each other on a boys club. So <laughs> like you said, you we posted did. <laughs> and it was mostly guys in there. But, you know, we were happy that you posted about that. And you're right. I would have never learned about your podcast had you not done that and had you not, you know, been willing to kind of put it out there what you were doing. So kudos to you, because this is so needed. I can't wait to share with a lot of other people about what you're doing here. I, I think it's awesome. Great. Thank you. And I can't wait for your recommendations on on who I can track down next to have them on the show, because one of the main things that I, I love about the, the, the founding of this show is that it was never intended to just be, you know, 
me tracking down like super Hollywood names and this and that. It's about every woman on every step of their journey. So those that are just starting out, those that are in the middle of their career, those those, those that are towards the end of their career. Um, I, I want to hear every story and, and every facet of the industry. So I'm going to definitely be be leaning on your organization to, to find more guests and feature their stories. Oh, for sure. I'd love to. <laughs> Perfect. So let's work backwards a little bit. And I want to hear kind of your origin story. How did you get started in the industry? Sure. So I actually started as a model. I started modeling. Um, but I'd always loved acting and, you know, of course, like in school, did plays and stuff like that. Um, and then from modeling, I, I, like I said, I parlayed that into doing like commercial work and acting. Um, but I grew up singing. So I kind of, my, the music things kind of took off for me. Um, and uh, I stopped acting for a while and just kind of sung back up. I toured as a, a backup singer for a reggae artist for a while. Um, but that became difficult because I had a child and it was hard to be on tour when you have like a little kid, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And so I came back and, and really started focusing on my acting and I realized how much I hated auditioning, like kudos to all the actors out there who audition on a regular basis. I personally hate auditioning. I hate that you call me at nine and I have to be an audition at 12. It's like my day is planned. Don't call. <laughs> like I just it was not. It wasn't, or just not feeling like I was enough. Oh, you look like so-and-so, or you're not this, or you're not, I was just like, you know what, this is way too much for me. So I just decided, you know what, I, I want to start working behind the camera. My dad was a photographer when I was a kid. He shot weddings and stuff. And so um, I went to school for photography and I really enjoyed that. So then of course I started shooting headshots for all my actor friends. Um, and then, um, right. It's like, what do you do if you're an actress who turns photographer, you're doing headshots. Um, and so <laughs> after that, um, I started, you know, really wanting to get back into the filmmaking. I'd always loved writing. And so I, I did a lot of creative writing in school. I did really well with writing, creative writing in school. And so I decided I wanted to, you know, I, I understood, um, you know, uh, camera angles and, and, and uh, uh, ISOs and focal lengths and shutter speeds since I went to photography school. So I was like, okay, I want to parlay this into filmmaking. And so I got a group of friends together and I made my first short and it wasn't hideous. <laughs> like, you know, you always hear, oh, yeah, it's going to be horrible. Your first project's going to be horrible. Um, it wasn't that bad. We did well on the film for, uh, festival circuit and we got a lot of attention because it was kind of about um, domestic violence in a way about dealing with relationships that you really need to let go, but you don't, I clearly I'm always into this activism thing. I don't know where this came from, but that's kind of where it started, I guess. So we did that film and it, it did decent. And then I co-produced another project and I realized I was really good at producing. Like I understood how to put projects together, how to get people together, um, which, you know, the ladies in my group always tease me because they say, I'm good at pushing people to do things outside of their comfort zone. It's like, you tell me you can't do something. Like, I, I can't take pictures. And next thing you know, they, you know, they're in front of my lens and I'm getting them to pose and they're having a good time. So I always had that knack of, you know, getting things done in that way and bringing people together. And so, I started producing, people started asking me to produce their projects. And, um, you know, a friend of mine came to me and asked me to do uh, a documentary about prostate cancer because he came from a family where his father had it and his brother and he knew he's at risk. And I didn't know much about prostate cancer at the time, but, and I didn't feel like my filmmaking skills were there just yet. Cause I had been producing, writing and directing, I mean, excuse me, producing and writing, but I hadn't directed. And so I was like, eh, sure. you know, um, I, let me do some other things for, I ended up doing like, a, oh, actually we met cause I did direct an infomercial. So I had only directed one other thing that I met him on. And so that was like my first feature film. That was like my first project and it took us six years to do it. Um, and so it was funny cause wow. when I look at the, the footage from the first, you know, the beginning to the end, it's like, I wish I could reshoot everything, but that film um, opened so many doors for me and blessed so many men. We ended up uh, being able to screen it for the Congressional Black Caucus. Um, we toured with it. We partnered with several nonprofits. 
and we were able to um, help men and advocate for men about prostate cancer and, and get them the help that they needed. So, and even now, like we, I say we finished the film in 2017, <laughs> but really I shot some other things in between then. Um, but even now I can't put the film down. We, we're still getting people wanting the film. And so now we're looking at putting it on a streaming platform so that it can be accessible. Um, it's been used as an educational tool and it's also been used, um, Pfizer was using it to teach their in-house scientists and doctors about why African-American men are skeptical to get treatment and go to the doctor. So it's, you know, the journey has been interesting. Um, I definitely, you know, feel very blessed the way that I learned. I feel like I'm never done learning. I didn't go to film school. I had hands on, bump my head, jump in and learn how to swim later experience. <laughs> But I'm glad because, you know, the first time I actually had, you know, a crew with all the bells and whistles, right? And I had a first AD and a second AD and all this. It was like, oh, you mean I only have to do this one thing? Like, I'm used to doing all of what you guys are doing. <laughs> like, they're like, what are you doing? Can we do our jobs? Okay, sure. But it's great. And I think if you have the opportunity to shoot microfilms or to do a lot of indie stuff, which is why I do what I do with the ladies, um, it, it, it enriches you. I still haven't arrived. There's still so much I don't know, but I'm proud of the fact that, you know, I, you know, put, put it down on the line and just went for it and did whatever I could to start building myself up as a filmmaker. And I'm still doing that. Um, but as many people as I can help along the way, I feel like it's, it's really important to me to do that. And so that's kind of my goal. I feel like I kind of rambled, but I think in a nutshell, you get where I'm no, coming it's perfect. from. Um, yeah, you took us, you took us from start to finish, which was perfect. Um, I love that the, it's always, it's always interesting to me how, um, you know, you can, you can go into a project and you're, you know, you're, you're proud of the outcome and then it kind of takes on a life of its own. And it sounds like the silent killer documentary did that, you know, it, it lives beyond you know the the six years that it took to make it and it's still making an impact today and i think that like what more could you ask for from a from a project or from a film oh for sure you never realize how something can impact someone else you know and for me the fact that it has impacted so many men I mean, I had to start having either a doctor at a screening or someone who could help them because they were coming up to me sharing their personal business. And I was like, okay, so I'm not a doctor. I'm just a filmmaker. Right. <laughs> like, let me, let me get you somebody to talk to. <laughs> um, but I realized that need is there, right? It's filling that need and you never know how something you create can impact someone else. So keep creating that idea that's been swimming around in your head that you're like, I don't know if I should do it. I don't know who's going to care, who's going to listen, do it because somebody needs it, no matter how superficial it may seem, you know, someone needs that, even if it's just to encourage them to go out and step out and do what it is they want to do. It's so important. But yes, you're absolutely right. I would I never thought they tease me too at the nonprofit that I work with a lot because now I'm on the health disparities task force and they're like, I bet you thought you were done with this movie, huh? Oh, like, yes, I can't put it down, <laughs> but I'm grateful. I'm very grateful that something I created is, is help is helping so many people. Absolutely. So what, I mean, obviously that's a pretty high bar coming off of that project. So what really excites you about a project or, or gets you interested? Is it the story and the subject matter? Was that the case for the silent killer? Um, or is like financial compensation also a factor? Does it vary? Um, for me, it does kind of vary. For a silent killer, I didn't know anything about prostate cancer. So when when um, Chris is his name, when my friend Chris came to me about the project and he was telling me how you knew he knew that he was at risk, but nobody's talking about it. Well, that's how you get my attention. If I know that there's something going on, but nobody's doing anything about it, I am the one who's going to be like, well, how can we change that? And so I, I and I'm grateful that he did, because about six months into doing the research for that film, my father was diagnosed with stage one prostate cancer. And our family didn't know anything about prostate cancer before that. So I was able to give all this information to my dad and then my dad agreed to be in the movie. And so um, 
you know, for me, it was like, okay, there clearly there's, there's an issue here. So definitely I am about things that uplift that are, um, I like things that um, maybe have a message, but aren't like message at the end. I hate that. You know, <laughs> like, I, I, I want people, I, you know, I want to pull at your heartstrings or draw your attention to things that you may not have thought of or thought from that perspective. Because I feel like a lot of times, you know, even going back to what we were talking about, uh, understanding different cultures, it's not putting yourself in that other person's shoes and understanding their perspective. And so I like doing that. I like um, putting people in other people's shoes so you can really see it and so you can stop with the stereotyping things. Um, Sometimes, yes, I will be honest, I have taken projects for monetary reasons. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I have bills to pay. <laughs> um, but I try to be, you know, I, I try to be strategic. And I do tell the women in my group this too. Sometimes you may take a project, not because it's going to help you financially. Maybe you don't like the script the best, but the relationships that you'll develop from doing that project may bless you beyond you know, anything you can imagine. Definitely there's been those projects for me where I was like, okay, do I really want to attach my name to this? Like, <laughs> right. But the, the, the relationships I made, they're now my lifelong friends. They're my go-to. Some of the people who worked on the project, they're like, if I need a DP or I need, they're my first call um, because of that bond. So definitely I think for me, I try to weigh um, you know, of course, if it's a great story and, and as I get more, um, you know, I guess sophisticated in my career, that will probably change more and more as I go. Um, but right now I do look at um, things from is the story good? Is it uplifting people? And um, uh, am I going to be able to make some good networking relationships out of it that can not only bless me, but the women in my organization? Wow. Your journey sounds like it's been so enriching on every step of the way. And it, you know, looking at you now, several years under your belt in the industry, you know, you seem to have it all together. Can you tell us about any struggles that you had along on your journey? Any roadblocks that you ran into? I do not have it all together. So let's start there. Um, I do not want to make it sound like it was easy. It's not been easy. Uh, that's pretty much why I started Women of Color. Um, there have been times when on my own productions, my production that I'm paying the cast and crew, I had a, a camera person it was my first time working with him. And he came to the set. And I was trying to go over with him what we were going to be doing that day. And he wouldn't look at me or talk to me like he would not talk to me. And so he looked to the DP and he said, I thought I was working for you, not her. And I was just like, and I just smiled, right? Because then there's that fine line of if you're too aggressive, then you're the bossy B word, right? And so I just smiled and I said, <laughs> I said, no, you're working for me. And if you'd like to get paid, you need to fill out this paperwork, right? And so he did, but it was, it was a two-day shoot and we were, you know, I couldn't, you know, I was kind of stuck. It wasn't like I could fire him and find someone else. We're on set. We're about to work. I had to deal with this. Um, and so for me, it was just, I believe in killing people with kindness. So I did used to work in the medical field and I knew that, you know, a lot of times when I worked in medicine, people are... They take things out on you because they're sick and half the time it has nothing to do with you. So I think that helped me deal with some of the stuff I've had to deal with in the industry. Um, have I been, um, you know, insecure in certain things sometimes because of how I've been treated? Of course. Intimidated? Of course. But even if I have to go in the restroom and count to 10 to keep the, my blood from boiling, I always try to come back out with a smile and, and, and make sure um, that um, that I handle it with respect because as the director and producer of a project, I am, I set the example for the behaviors that happen on set. And so with that guy, just, you know, I tried to be killing with kindness, made sure that I was assertive though, because sometimes what you'll get is the questioning, you know, of what you say. Um, and by the end of the two day shoot, he was, oh my God, Londi, I love working with you. If you ever need another camera operator, I'm happy to... I was thinking I will never hire you ever again <laughs> but I just smiled really really yeah he thought it was great he th you know he was like oh she proved herself she does know what she's doing and what she's talking about 
And I'm like, dude, I'm paying you. I ain't got to prove myself to you. Like, <laughs> I'm paying you to be here. <laughs> but, you know, that's going to happen. That happens to women all the time. I, that has happened to me countless times where I've had to stand my ground. And any slight bit of weakness was assumed, not weakness, excuse me, uncertainty was assumed to be weakness. You know, like if I was like, um, I don't know, or let me check that really quick. Oh, see, she don't know what she's doing. Did it, you know, that kind of stuff. And I have to come back. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to bring that back. We're still starting from here. <laughs> I remember one. I always tell the story to the ladies because sometimes we get so hung up on, we got to know all the film jargon, right? I say this, if you don't know all the technical terms for a shot or for, for something that's happening on set, be clear in your execution of how you want to achieve something. So like we were shooting this project. I think it was only my third project that I'd ever directed. I didn't know all the terminology. And I, I was like, okay, I want to shoot this scene in the bathroom, but I don't want any sound. And I want to like come over his shoulder and then peer into the sink because it was supposed to be he had, we were, we were making it seem like he had killed someone because he's washing blood off his hands. And so they were like, so are you saying you want to shoot that MOS? I said, does that mean no sound? <laughs> he goes, yes. Well, then that's like, okay, so I didn't say M-O-S. I said, I don't want any audio. So sometimes, you know, when you're clear on your, your, what you want and it's not, you're trying to figure it out. Get out of your head, create your shot list, do your storyboarding so that even if you don't know all the terms, you can at least explain it in a way that your DP will get it. And that's what I learned. And then the terminology started coming, you know, but I always made sure that I knew what I wanted to execute. There was no question in that. I was never questioning if I could get a shot a certain way. I just may not have known the terms. And so that definitely, you know, I learned <laughs> that as long as, you know, there's a fine line for us as women, unfortunately, between being the bossy bee to um, being, you know, oh, she knows what she's doing. Like that line is so very thin. Um, you just got to try to balance. People it are very quick to move between, you know, move between the two. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. All right. So you know, you had all these, these experiences on set. At what point did you, it says, so you founded Blue Child Entertainment in 2012. So at what point in your journey was that? Had you already had these projects under your belt and decided that you wanted to, to start your business or were you using, were you producing and directing these projects under Blue Child Entertainment? Sure. So I actually started Blue Child Entertainment with just photography. Um, I was mainly doing just photography at the time and doing a lot of photography production stuff. Um, you know, photography stuff. So corporate, live events, that kind of thing. Um, and then um, as I started to learn in the film industry and do my short projects, then I started doing that. So I had done my first movie. Yeah, because we did that in 2008. So I had done a couple small projects, but I didn't really bring the video production into Blue Child at first because I didn't feel confident in it. At first, I felt very confident in my photography, but I didn't feel confident in the film part. So I didn't, I wouldn't say I really brought that in. Um, I think I did put that name because I knew I wanted it on my first film project, but I hadn't done anything under it yet. Um, <laughs> you know, name, right. <laughs> and so once I would say once I really started getting confident and feeling like I could shoot a video on my own. Um, I then started building that up and really the bulk of my business even still is a lot of corporate. So I do a lot of industrials. So a lot of, you know, if you see those sexual harassment in the workplace videos or, or, um, or, uh, um, you know, online learning tutorials or, uh, you know, any kind of in instructional video for my clients, for my business clients, small business commercials, like which really helped build my videography muscle and, and was able, I was able to parlay that into film, but also bring my storytelling element from film into my industrial clients. So then their videos aren't just talking heads. They actually feel like they're telling a story. So it's been awesome to marry the two together. Um, and really be able to create something that's unique. 
Um, but yeah, that I did not start Blue Child with, with videography. I definitely started with photography, which is why we kind of have a lot of both on there on my website. <laughs> yeah. And I also noticed that um, there's a lot of like of your services being marketed towards actors and those in the film industry. Um, so is this just also just something that's just near and dear to your heart because of your background and you just want to serve that that specific community? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, my goal, I'm, you know, I do want to launch like a Blue Child Academy to help uh, first time filmmakers, which were kind of started. Um, but women of color has kind of taken over. So as I get a hold on women of color, my goal is to come back in and do that because I hate seeing first-time filmmakers not get the support they need. And I also have a pet peeve for like, um, you know, people of color's films not uh, not feeling like they're on that professional level because they don't get the help and support they need. And I, you know, even some of the courses like in Blue Child Academy, we have a director's course. And I often get filmmakers who actually went to film school in my class. And I'm thinking, you should be teaching me. <laughs> but see, they learned theory, but they didn't get the practical application as much, um, which is interesting. You would think that, you know, but I've had a few people who've taken my course who, um, who, are, who went to film school. But see, I'm out there shooting all the time just with my industrial clients. And that really helps. That's why I always tell filmmakers, make microfilms, even if it's with your phone. Because as people say, oh, you can shoot with your phone. Well, there's a technique still to shooting with your phone. And you're not gonna make a Steven Spielberg movie with your phone, right? But you can make something that looks cinematic if you understand lighting and if you understand why you would push in when someone says a certain line versus pull away or how you want to make the audience feel like they're in the moment or just peering and watching the moment from afar. That is visual storytelling and really helping them to develop that muscle because that's really a muscle that's going to come from practice. You're going to screw some things up for sure. And you never perfect it. I still still see stuff that I'm like, why didn't I do a close up there? Oh my God. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's always something you could have done better. But starting to develop that visual storytelling muscle will make you a stronger filmmaker. And so I do have an affinity to help independent filmmakers do that because I don't feel like they get that support and they're told anyone can make a movie, just you know, buy a DSLR or use your cell phone. But there, there's a whole gap that comes from getting that phone or buying that camera to actually executing something that's a beautiful work of art and not just something that you shot and got two POVs and a wide and bad audio, right? <laughs> There's a whole gap between here and here. And I wanna get help filmmakers understand that because I feel like there's a lot of wrong information out there. So that's like my next endeavor. Um, that's my goal is, is not just for women of color, like that's my special baby, but I definitely want to be able to help independent filmmakers feel supported and, and, and get the knowledge and skills they need to be excellent visual storytellers. And awesome. And does that include, so I've kind of learned that the f term filmmaker has also been adapted to include wedding videographers and, yeah. and kind of videographers in a more traditional sense. You know, I don't agree with that term. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because really? I don't feel those are filmmakers. Those are videographers. A filmmaker tells a visual story and it's it, it, it to me, it's just different. Um, but then I come from the, 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 the storytelling background of, you know, acting and creative writing. And, and I don't know, I just don't feel like I mean, yes, you can make a wedding feel like a story, but it's not really the same. Like, I feel like what I do for my corporate clients is totally different than when I'm making a film. Can I put filmmaking elements into those videos to make them more appealing to audiences? Yes, but it's two different types of, of, of videography, really. It's two different types. You're not gonna put high contrast on a wedding video to enrich it, those people are gonna be like, okay, is it like, uh, what is it, emo uh, wedding? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not gonna be, you're not gonna do that. You're not gonna, you know, put um, 
stark colors. Everybody wants it to feel warm and dreamy because a wedding has a theme. Can you veer from that theme a little bit? Sure. But overall, the theme of weddings is love. So you're kind of stuck in one way of, of, of doing that. Whereas film, you can have super bright, high contrast. You, I mean, low contrast. You can have super high contrast. There's so many things, you know, different ways to portray mood and evoke emotion. But if it's, there's only one way to do that with a wedding or with a corporate video or with a real estate video, it has to look a certain way. So you've eliminated a huge part of storytelling when you have to fit a certain mold. And so to me, that's not filmmaking. It, it's creativity. Does it help you as a filmmaker? Oh God, yes. Like being a videographer has definitely helped me as a filmmaker, but I don't say that they're the same thing. So I know I'll get some pushback on that. <laughs> I just <laughs> the I'm comments like, are going to be going off now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so interested to hear your take on that because um, I think that the the term has evolved. Because when I used to hear it, um, I didn't go to film school. I went to school for video and media production, which would lend itself to either studio productions, um, like in a newsroom or something of that sort, or videography. And so, but since I graduated college, I think that the, that term has evolved and some, for some reason, nobody likes to use the term videographer so much so where I don't think, where I didn't think like, cause I just launched my production company um, in February and I call myself a filmmaker. Thank you so much. And I, and I call myself a filmmaker just because I feel like if I put the term videographer in my bio, someone looking for my services is going to say, oh, well, she's. She's just a videographer. She's not a filmmaker because now there's real estate filmmaking and there's wedding filmmaking. Do you, does that make sense? I totally, I totally agree with you. I totally hear what you're saying, which is why I use, I say video production on our website, but I don't say filmmaking because to me, it just encompasses so much more. Filmmaking is so much more than that. It's doing character portrayal with wardrobe and set design and that's film making um you know we're not gonna do any of that in in a corporate video or at a wedding there's a wedding dress which you'll shoot some of that and you know what i mean like you're just so locked so yeah. i do agree that term has definitely become that even where we met when i first i i felt very confused when i first went on there and i was like this is not filmmaking this is video production, but you know, nowadays terms can definitely are, uh, they change frequently. <laughs> so who knows? We may go back to video videography yeah. at some point. Um, but I do think that if you're putting that term, you got to be very clear as to what that means. Cause clearly it means different things to different people, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that and this is the last thing I'll say on this topic, uh, that it's th that people like calling themselves filmmakers for different niches because it's more cinematic. And that's the thing you can I, I, I never associated videography with anything cinematic. You know, I'd never seen a cinematic corporate video, talking head video. I've never seen before, you know, I, I found this full-time filmmaker group and such. I've never seen a cinematic wedding film. So I think that um, that people look to, to kind of upsell themselves as filmmakers. But I did have, when I mentioned it to uh, my my boyfriend's grandparents, they were like, oh, are you are you making like a movie? And I was like, see, that's why I can't call myself a filmmaker because people, people associate it with major motion pictures and all the work that goes into that. And I'm like, no, I just have my DSLR and I would just like to shoot your bar mitzvah. Like, <laughs> it's different. It's different. Which, but you can still make that cinematic, but I agree. It's just not a film. Um, and I think that, and so it, I think where people feel differently about it is like someone like me who comes from the film world versus someone who, like you're saying, went to school to become a videographer and then perfected the art of videography to look cinematic. So I get where the, you know, the distinction can get a little muddled, but yeah, I just feel like a filmmaker makes films and there's more to fit making a film than just how you move the camera. There's so much more to that. Um, whereas, you know, 
videography, it's about how you're telling the story with the camera and making it look cinematic. And then, you know, these are like tomato, tomato. Those are the things you could argue forever, yeah. I guess, yeah. <laughs> when you get with filmmakers. Right, right. I appreciate, I so appreciate your take on it, but I already, you know, my uh, my production company's already named Our Best Films, and we're not changing the, the LLC, I know but that's I, am right. certainly, <laughs> I am certainly updating my bio to reflect that I, you know, video production extraordinaire instead of filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Plus, you got oh that cool goodness. light logo in the background, so I don't blame you. <laughs> that's funny, yeah. Oh, that's so good. All right. So, where can the viewers and listeners of this podcast find you? Sure. So, you can always find me on our website, uh, bluechildentertainment.com. Um, I am in the process of updating that myself. Uh, but you can definitely find me there. You can always message me there. You can also find our organization um, by going to womenofcolorfilmmakers.com. Um, and you can learn more about our classes and workshops and, and things that we're doing. And you can find us on Meetup. If you just go to meetup.com and type in Women of Color Filmmakers, you will find our organization there. Perfect. And I would definitely, uh, I, I have to become a, a part of your organization now. Yes! I've heard so much about it and it, it's so, uh, it's so, so neat. And I, I align with the mission. So I'll definitely, we'll talk about that for sure. Yes. And we have a lot of East Coast members. So definitely we have a lot of members who are in the DM, DMV, right? That's what you guys, DMV. Am I saying that right? Or DMZ, DMZ? What's the area? I have Virginia, no idea DC. what you're referring to. Oh, okay. To be honest. <laughs> it's the it's the Virginia DC, Virginia DC, and Maryland. The tri-state area. Yeah, but oh, they call it DMV, or D, I'm probably butchering it. Clearly, I'm from the West Coast, so don't. don't. <laughs> but we have we'll a lot have of New Yorkers. Too, but yeah, they are in the East Coast. Find them. <laughs> yes. Definitely New York, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. We have members, so we'd love to love to have you and love you to connect you with some of those filmmakers because I always think it helps to have a tribe, not just our tribe, you know, virtually, but also in person. So if you need someone, you could, hey, I need someone to come help me, you know, today on my video shoot or vice versa. I'd love to have you guys be able to work together. Of course. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And then lastly, how can the viewers and listeners of this podcast support you as a filmmaker? Oh, wow. That's such a beautiful question. For me right now, I, I really want to put the support to women of color filmmakers. So if you guys go to the website, um, like I said, we're just in the process of becoming a 501c3. We do accept donations. We can't write you off tax-wise just yet until we're officially a 501c3, but your donations make it possible for us to continue having programming and, and opportunities for women of color who are seeking um, to build their careers in film and television. So, um, so we can do things like the lab. You know, it's a lot of work that goes into the lab. Um, we wanna provide awards and our goal is to eventually be able to give grants and scholarships to women. So any support there, and even if you can't make a monetary donation, just vis visiting the website, um, attending some of our events, our summer um, film challenge, it's virtual, it's free. You'll be able to attend and just support these women. It's, it's so important. So if you uh, check our website, as soon as that information is available, we will be posting it there. But that would mean the world to me if you guys continue to support women of color filmmakers. Perfect. I know I will be supporting 100%. Londi, it's been so amazing talking to you. I'm so excited to see to um, to see where this relationship goes to. I'm so happy to have met you. And I, I think that our organizations are going to, well, your organization and my podcast, I'll say that, <laughs> uh, will grow in tandem together. And I'm, I'm just so excited about that. So, so thank you so much for your time today. Yes, thank you for having me. It's been an honor and I definitely am going to put the word out about what you're doing and how we can support you because it's very important that we support each other. So I will send some people your way because I want to make sure that you're uplifted and supported as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. As usual, thanks so much for listening and I'll see y'all in the next episode. Bye. Bye.